Hey everyone, this is Tony Holbein. You are listening to The Revenue Formula. In today's episode, we are going to talk about unachievable plans, the problems with it, the signs of it, and then finally, the uncomfortable solution to fix it. Enjoy. So I asked a couple of people that are listening to the show, you know, what they're thinking about the intro stuff, and some of them are like, okay, skip, skip, skip. We need to tell people, and from... Now you need to listen. Yeah. <laughs> what if they skipped over it? So we just need a long pause. No, it's like in YouTube, you have those sections. Ah, right. And they just kind of can jump to the next section. Well, we can say in maybe five seconds from now, we're going to start the show. Yeah, but okay, but how? how now. <laughs> yeah, it's still a problem, I know. You go, but, Michael. But, take but, it but, away. But, take but, it but, away. But. Today, we're going to talk about unachievable things. Specifically, unachievable plans. And, uh, you know, it's actually worse than having no plan. Yep. It's way worse to have an unachievable plan than to have no plan. And why is that? Why is that the case? Uh, we're going to get into some of that stuff. And then we're going to get into what can you do about it to fix that, basically remedy the situation. Yeah. Actually, before that, we're going to talk about how to spot an unrealistic plan. Totally. We're going to do that. So maybe now you started planning. Maybe there's already some plan you can see. Depends on obviously when you are listening to the episode, but realizing that there is a plan and is unachievable, that's going to cause some problems. The most common ones you're going to find, whoever you ask, and even if you, you think about it initially is, well, people are going to sit at a town hall on all hands. They're going to see the plan. They're going to go, what on earth is happening? This plan is just not rooted in reality and people are going to be demotivated. Yeah, and, and sometimes... You don't need to be an FP&A, RevOps, CFO type. You just need to be a normal person sitting in the room and be like, that ain't going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's not what you want to have happen no. in a town hall. Then you lost no. lost already. And that obviously then follows. You're probably going to miss. And what happens as you start missing is you're looking at the quarter. There's a target. You're behind. What can we do now this quarter to make an impact? And you become reactive. And that permeates throughout the year. So none of the stuff in the plan happens either. Yeah. It's just, you know. I was just thinking one other really uh, clear sign of you having an unachievable plan is people not wanting to put up dashboards with the <laughs> revenue target <laughs> and you trending kind of not towards it yeah. with the argument of like that would demotivate everyone to see that we're totally going to miss. Yeah. Then you, this is also, you know, that, that's probably also going to be one sign. No, I've always had two dashboards, one that's focused on opportunities and revenue and one on brand and traffic. And, you know, then you can just switch. It's perfect. One, <laughs> Then there's always a good, you know. Yeah, this is only what our marketeers can do. Yeah, you know? smart. Uh, yeah. But there's more problems too than just that. Yes. So this was kind of the, the, the obvious problem. Some of the non-obvious ones are... And we're going to get into how you can spot an unachievable plan. But one of the things might be you have a very steep Q4, for example, right? Mm. Many people do this. Q1, ah, we kind of need to hit that one. Q2, Q3, sometimes going to be soft, maybe seasonality. So they put all the rest into Q4. <laughs> um, and what you obviously need to do in order to even put yourself into a position of trying to hit that is you need to hire a bunch of AEs potentially in order to build up the quota and so forth, right? And obviously in order to support them, you need to hire a bunch of other people around and spend money and so forth. And as you do that, there might be a time, um, and sometimes we see it 
three to five, maybe six months, where management is kind of okay with the ramped up spend and is accepting this whole notion of, well, you need to spend money to make money. <laughs> but they're, they're starting to not see any of that stuff actually come back in terms of revenue, right? It's only just cost. Yeah. So what's then the next thing is going to be, once you wake up, and that's going to be probably around Q3, sometimes in the middle of Q4, you will basically start laying off people. That's usually the end result, right? You build up this whole machinery to try and hit a number that was unachievable from the start, mm. and suddenly you realize, well, if we don't get that amount of revenue in, we actually can't support the cost. So what can we do? We can reduce the amount of cost again. Yeah. And I've seen this um, myself many times. Um, I've seen this in uh, in some companies that I'm uh, in a little bit involved with. And it's sometimes almost like a like a back and forth effect, right? You hire, you build up, you build mm. the hype, and then it doesn't work, you fire them again. And you do it again and, you know, you fire them again and so yeah. forth, right? And that back and forth, that usually is, a, is um, an outcome, an unobvious outcome of simply terrible planning, unachievable planning, overly ambitious planning that has nothing to do with reality that then leads to, you know, all of those people's fates being, you know, uh, you know pushed back and forward. So we should get into what you can do to protect yourself. Yeah. Basically, there are some red flags yeah. to spot an unachievable plan. If it's not just straight off the cuff, hey, this is this number is wrong, there will be some red flags. Yes. So the the thing is, just because a management team is putting up a large number, it doesn't mean that it's unachievable, no. right? That's really important to keep in mind. And and what's I think also for for everyone listening, maybe not involved in planning necessarily, um, it's also really important that you as a as a team, uh, as a company, you can decide that something is unachievable, and then by that fact, will make it unachievable, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really. Uh, I think people need to be careful yeah. not to judge these things and then, you know, start this chat in the corner and be like, nah, that's not going to work. Yeah. Unless you, you you find a couple of clear signs that it won't. Yeah. And and I'd, we just wanted to go through some of those signs or red flags or, or ways to potentially approach it. And that that really kind of then, you know, helps you to get to a much clearer decision on whether or not this is potentially unachievable and yeah. maybe, you know, where you need to look and, and help. So the number one thing, obviously, is, and this is uh, this is due to the economic situation that we're in, uh, a lot of folks, uh, a lot of CFOs are basically forced to show growth, yeah. but with the same end or less or only slightly more um, money in the bank account, uh, meaning, you know, budget to spend. So what will what will a CFO usually do in order to, to make those two things work out? And the trick number one is to what we call play around with the processing metrics. Yeah, what are processing metrics? We here at Roblox differentiate between volume metrics and processing metrics. Uh, volume metrics are your, uh, your counts, so how many MQLs, how many opportunities, how many customers. Um, and your processing metrics are uh, the metrics that connect those steps. Mm. Uh, it's a conversion rate from MQL to op. There's also yeah. a small sales cycle um, or a time delay between them. Uh, then you might have opportunity to close one. There you not only have conversion rate uh, and sales cycle, but you might also have average uh, contract value and so forth. Yeah, yeah. And um, a CFO will typically start there. T 
typically start tweaking those numbers a little bit around because all of these are efficiency drivers. Mm -hmm. So really in order to make more growth with same or only slightly more budget, you need to become more efficient. Yeah. So basically those those processing steps, this will be uh, what the CFO will start playing around with in order then to show exactly what, what needs to be shown, right? And, and the danger here is, um, number one, the typical... CVR, so conversion rates, yeah. let's just kind of take this up a notch and hey, we should be getting better every year, every month a little mm -hmm. bit, right, Mikkel? You know, why is that such a big problem? Um, sometimes, sometimes this goes a bit overboard. So you have that idea that you start tweaking the conversion rate a little bit, cool. But then as you go throughout the planning period, you realize, oh, we need to tweak a little bit more, yeah. we need to tweak a little bit more, we need... And suddenly you end up with, you know, and I had this uh, once. Um, it's uh, from July to August, conversion rate just jumps by five <laughs> points or something from 10 to 15. Basically, you know, and the, the funny thing is when the CFO talks to you, it's like, but Tony, it's just five points. What do you, you know, that's, it's that's nothing. Not, that, you should be able to achieve that. Why are we paying you so much money if you can't <laughs> achieve that? And until you basically point out, sure, five points, but on a base of 10 points, so it's 50% improvement. So that, that's, yeah, that's a lot. That's, significant. that's a lot. But it also goes into, hey, we should be raising our prices. We yeah. should maybe speeding up our sales cycles. And the funny thing is now, uh, when you combine all of these things, you have this whiplash effect of... Uh, uh, many different improvements building on top of each other, mm. getting you into a crazy town. Yeah, and that might sometimes be, um, and and you won't see it on the on the individual pieces because volume will go up a little bit. But what you will see is you go from you know let's just say ten deals closed in January yeah. to suddenly fifty deals closed uh, in December, like on a monthly yeah, yeah, basis. Yeah. Uh, without much changing, yeah. actually. And you wonder, how could that happen? Well, this is how it happens. Why haven't we done this before? Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, I think the other funny thing is, sometimes it has unintended consequences to, you know, put those numbers forward. So if you want to increase the conversion rate, let's say just from marketing into sales, to keep it simple, an easy way to do it is just, well, we're only going to pass those. Yeah, we'll choking. The demo. Yeah, you're going to choke the funnel. Yes. So all of a sudden you have an impact on volume mm -hmm. and that's going to basically screw you over. The same you can say with price increases. Mm -hmm. Is it going to make it easier for you to close a deal? Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> no, so th that's the funny thing is, right? You can you can kind of hit those processing steps fairly easy by just choking the funnel in, you know, whatever different way. And or this is another one, come up with a new metric. So, sorry, those are all the COO, COO tricks of how to get the budget to work, work out, you know, quotation marks. Yeah. You invent a new metric, you you choke the funnel, you do something else. Like, well, I hit the improvement, but yeah. you know, still making less money than before. Anyway, what is what is another what is another one? Having a crazy Q4. Yeah. So I see there's a lot. Q1 kind of needs to be achievable because you're just walking out of a week Q4. You wanna have a you wanna have a high five moment for mm. your management team, basically. Yeah. Hey, let's not look like losers. Then Q2 usually is a bit of a challenge, but you you kind of realize, hey, Q2 is kind of baked already now. Q3, well, Q3 is gonna be soft because seasonality. Mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, you have you have your uh, your summer period here in uh, in, um, in in Europe, but we still need to get to this target thing. So let's just push all of this into Q4. <laughs> You know, well, that is usually the biggest quarter yeah, yeah. anyway. <laughs> well, it's the biggest quarter and right, we should and blah, blah, blah. And then you end up with a crazy Q4. 
and uh, and that obviously is also not going to happen. That's that's yeah. usually kind of one one other good uh, telltale sign. Another one is our individual targets going up, mm. uh, and this is again this is another efficiency metric just hidden somewhere. So what are what are individual targets? So for example, your outbound reps yeah. going from eight meetings a month to ten meetings a month or twelve meetings a month. I mean, going from eight to twelve, really, what you're like hearing here is almost a fifty percent increase again, right? Mm. Again, you're paying for this same cost base, but suddenly a much larger output, efficiency increase. Uh, same goes for AEs and their quotas. There's a different angle on this, obviously, but let's increase quotas. We do need to hire so many people. Blah, you know, all of that idea. And I mean, I, I think everyone gets it. Same with CSMs yeah. and yeah. so forth, right? Now that, I mean, the, the list go keeps on. going, it's a long by list. the way. It's, you know, think about ramp times and hiring times. Yeah. Oh, you know, we need to shrink this a little bit. You know, they just need to get it faster. Let's, you know, let's do yeah. that. And then I think the last one really is, uh, especially, and we're going to get into some of those differentiations in, in a second, but especially if you do actually attempt to make some of those assumptions here of conversion mm -hmm. rate or ACV or something like that going up, more realistic by putting a project behind it. Basically, you know, saying yes and or pushing for tons of different projects mm. and obviously being too optimistic in, in the outcome, right? And I think the, 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 the less abstract version of this is product. Just think about product. And I think this is one other way of how to figure out if, if a plan is unachievable or not. Go to your VP product and all similar uh, look him or her deep in the eyes and say like, hey, is this product thing going to happen by this day because GR depends on it, net retention yeah. rate depends on it, ACV depends on it, this new market depends on it. And if you see some wavering, because I can promise you the CFO also try to be drive drive efficiency improvements on the product side, yeah. then you should your your alarm you know your alarm bell should probably go off. Yeah, <laughs> it's always a tricky one, also because we are notoriously bad at estimating time and are always very optimistic. So it's, it's a super difficult one. No, but I mean, the, the, the problem here is, right, it's, again, the CFO is between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Um, he or she needs to put something forward that the board can accept. And, uh, and then this will usually be the stuff that leads to it. Yeah. I think what sometimes you're also missing is that level of complexity and, uh, and, and, and tweaking of things needs to be also fully understood by the board board level yeah. and rather you know have that discussion in this forum now instead of you know going into uh, oblivion by the end of the year yeah so we recently did an episode called the plan no one makes mm -hmm. which was really into the revenue planning yeah one of the things we did not get to cover in that episode which fits fortunately neatly in here is well, then how do you go and convince your C ceo right there's a step yeah. here where now you know there's an achievable plan so does it then follow that you need to go and make a plan? And then how do you bring that forward? Yeah. So let's just kind of shortly recap, right? We said, well, if you have an unachievable plan or you're stuck with it or you mm. you have to execute it, there are tons of problems around it. Probably your company is going to run out of cash faster. You need to do layoffs, yeah. all of that you know, terrible stuff. Now you go into, well, okay, now I know that we actually do have an unachievable plan because all of this stuff was played. Yeah. Everything that Tony just mentioned all of it was played around with. And and now it's like, okay, well, how do I how do I myself, maybe as a founder or as a CRO or something, 
but how do I as a RevOps person and or commercial leader, mm -hmm. how do I help my organization get out of this? Yeah. And Mikkel and I, we discussed it quite a bit actually leading up to this to this show and, and we actually came to the conclusion that uh, the only way out is, and I don't think people will like to hear this, but you will need to change your plan. <laughs> Oh man, not again! <laughs> such a such a boring, obvious. Yeah. Oh, I need a new plan, Tony. Thanks. Yeah. I didn't, you know, didn't realize that. But the the difficult piece here is how do you get your CEO to do it? Yeah. Because your CFO probably won't, uh, because he or she is probably pretty convinced of the validity of the plan. Mm. He or she spent time selling the plan, so I think you almost need to go one level higher up uh, to the CEO. And you need to make him or her understand that something is off and something is flawed. And if that doesn't land, then, well, it's, you know, her company. Yeah. So then she needs to go do that, right? <laughs> and what, what, are, what are potential ways to approach this? Yeah. Uh, and we did, some, we did some riffing coming, you know, leading up to this. And, um, and one, one piece that would be very convincing to me well number one maybe you sent this episode to your ceo so she or he, or he can listen to this but i can skip the intro part yeah maybe <laughs> maybe you skip the intro part but the 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 other piece that would work potentially with me pretty well and i used that in the past is just first of all you need to have access to the plan itself to the excel spreadsheet from the cfo and you know that might be difficult but basically try and sum up what is the difference between all the assumptions that are in here? Mm. Conversion rate increase, ACV yep. increase, ramp decrease, all of that stuff. And something that is less so dependent on assumptions. Something that looks more like what you did last year. Yeah. And I would, what I would do is I would take the plan, note down the number in the you know, the, the bottom right cell, which is probably your, your revenue number. And then I would go into the assumption sheet. I can promise you there's always an assumption yeah. sheet. It might be hidden. You there's, need to unhide it. Yeah, there's. it takes, I wouldn't say hours, I would yeah. want to say days. Yeah, um, but there's somewhere is an assumption yeah. uh, sheet and, and some stuff built in. And then you dial all of this down to your last year's achievements. Again, mm -hmm. conversion rate, ACV and so forth. And then you compare the new number that will be on the on the revenue side, and you will have a gap between those two numbers. Yeah. And the way I would describe that gap is: hey, all of this, all of this here is based on assumptions. All of this needs to go right in order to achieve this, right? Mm. And I think what is really powerful to then go to the CEO and say, did you know that forty percent, fifty percent of you know next year's revenue is based on a set of assumptions. Yeah. And she might say, actually, I didn't. Mm. Because the, the 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 funny thing is there's obviously lots of trust between finance and, yeah. and the CEO, and that's also good. It should be like that. But it doesn't always mean that the CEO is deep down into the spreadsheet and understands everything that's going on. Then shouldn't even be expected of him or her. But, uh, you know, by you taking out that one number, you basically... You basically tell your CEO, "Hey, this is this is the risk threshold that we're dealing with. Yeah. Are you aware of that?" Yeah. And then, then the answer could be yes or no. I think another way then to uh, potentially kind of go one level deeper here is to 
start differentiating between assumptions. Those are sometimes I call it wishful thinking of what's going to happen in the future without any work or yeah. you know resources put into this versus what you would usually call projects or campaigns or something like that, mm -hmm. right? Where you basically say like, in order to achieve that conversion rate, X, Y, and Z needs to happen, yeah. right? If you have a conversion rate that magically goes up, I would call this an assumption. Mm -hmm. If you have a conversion rate that goes up because you're planning those three things and you're starting to do them now and you expect the conversion rate to happen in May, uh, the increase happened in May, that's what I would rather call a project. Yeah. yeah. And those two things have kind of different risk profiles, especially for me as a, as a CEO. I would really like to understand how much of my plan is assumption-based and how yeah. much of my plan actually is real-world, reality-based, right? And again, what I would assume, because sometimes some of this planning, especially if it's leaning on the unachievable end, it's a little bit happens in a silo. It happens a little bit in the corner office. It happens yeah. a little bit between two, three people. So I highly doubt that many of those assumptions are project uh, supported, which basically will mean that most of the stuff that you just calculated in terms of, hey, those are the, the revenue at risk on the assumption side yeah. will be very similar to the revenue at risk of the assumption side minus the projects, right? Mm. Again, this is, this is a way to show to the CEO Listen, this is going to be really, really, really difficult, and probably, you're probably actually not going to happen. <clears throat> But I think what's also important here is it—it it doesn't always have to be that you change the metrics part of the plan, as long as you can then back it up with the projects instead. Because if if the conversation then is okay, we had this conversion rate improvement that mm -hmm. we wanted to achieve end of Q2, but we don't have the projects to do it, then you can also go and fix that. Absolutely. So I don't think we're trying to say that. You can't change your conversion rate or ACV, mm. but a sign of an unachievable plan is that the that those numbers go up in a step function yeah. without any work going into it. Yeah. It's just gonna happen by itself. You're gonna wake up one morning. And and what you know, one thing I realized, especially in revenue planning and revenue engines, nothing just happens by itself. No. It's it's just not a thing, right? Um and and a similar thing is really also around um think about MQLs. That's usually where I see some of the planning going wrong is, well, marketing should just grow by three, four, five, nine percent, ten percent a month. Mm. That should be doable, right? And then they just kind of pulled up the the MQL number. I would call that an assumption. Usually it's not really backed by uh, the marketing folks. And, you know, maybe this is more of a, of a you thing, but, um, you know, it's obviously as a marketing expert uh, or leader, You won't you won't plan everything out for the year. We'll no. plan it in chunks, yeah, right? You and, can't. and obviously, by definition, on the marketing side, there's a bit of softness towards you know everything that's a little bit later in the year. Yeah, and I think that's totally fine. But if you even can't see hitting those increases early on in the year, then it's you know. Yeah, I think it's also because, especially for marketing, the let's say the velocity, so the time it takes from lead to customer is just way longer. Mm. So when you're in end of Q2 then it's really next year, almost, in many yeah. cases. And and the thing is, if you look at the planning proponent, what tends to happen is you just look at what is the MCAC, so the marketing customer acquisition cost. Mm. So you have a blended metric. And when you go into marketing, do you realize how many channels and sources there are? Mm. And they, they act, first of all, wildly differently. The cost of acquiring a lead that is a fit for, for your business also varies wildly. So you can't just go with that assumption. And that that's where you really can, you know, run into trouble. And, 
And we're now, you know, we're making always a little bit fun of the finance side of the business. But now let's, you know, switch side to the to the revenue and execution side of the business. Mm. Well, what is the CMO gonna do uh, when he or she gets a, a big MQL target? Yeah. What is gonna happen, Michael? Some good behavior. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can tell you no. they will hit the MQL number. They certainly will. That's the easy part. Yeah. But it will be at the sacrifice of the conversion rate. So exactly. the the stuff that actually creates revenue. Yeah. Right. And that's what you don't want happening. Which then also leads to, hey, but I hit my target. Yeah. The, C- the not, not the VP starts. sales is yep. just fucking up, right? I mean, that's the the typical stuff. Not Maybe we do leads. like an episode on like finance versus ops, kind of how, <laughs> how how all of them are trying to cheat their way. Okay, but kind of going back to this here, I think one 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 important piece on you know on the solution, how to figure this out, is especially with constraints on the on the budgeting and cost side. Mm. You know, and for the last couple of years, um, in this wonderful market, they just went up and up and up and up, uh, and VC spent more and more money, and valuations went up. There was never really a part of the thinking process for planning that was, what should we take away? Yeah, it was always, let's come up with new stuff we can add on top, mm. and I think that has stopped now. I think people need to adjust to that. I think instead of just going, uh, what can we put on top? People actually need to start making the exact same. This is it requires the same scrutiny and the same decision making. Just because it's there, people kind of take it sometimes. Yeah, is what is in place that shouldn't be in place anymore. Hmm. And that really is one tactic, one strategy to free up uh, resources and then allocate yeah. them to something differently. Right, and that can happen uh, without changing uh, people in the team. But it might also be one of the options to say, actually, we don't believe in this market anymore, yeah. or we don't believe in this channel anymore, or we don't, um, you know, whatever you have, basically making clear um, uh, clear decisions on what not to do, mm. and then start doing maybe something else with that money. Yeah, I think the classic comparison is uh, project, right? You, you look at an annual and say, hey, we also got to say no to projects. Mm. But what you're really hinting at is there are existing work that's always just been there. So, of course, we're going to continue doing it and actually pausing for a second and assessing, hey, this you know, one product out of 10 we have, is that really where we should put our resources? Should we even, yeah. should we even have that product? And that is a really important conversation yeah. to have. I mean, this is typical, hey, focus... Yeah, a little bit obvious thing. I think on, on top of that actually is also the... And I think this is being rarely discussed properly in management teams is, and sometimes that is a situation that happened to me more in the execution phase. So you're mm. in the plan, you're executing, yeah. uh, something isn't working out, which is a normal thing. And then there's a gap and then you try and, you know, solve the, close the gap. And then basically what's going to happen is everyone's going to come up with all kinds of great creative new projects and add yeah. them to the whole thing. And, you know, theoretically that works out, but in reality with, Everything you add to the plate at that point, you are giving yourself a shot at hitting target, yes. Mm. But you're also increasing the odds that you're going to perform even worse than without those projects. Yeah. Right? Because you can't just hire all of those people and ramp them up and execute all of this stuff in parallel. Mm. Uh, you won't have the management system set up. You won't have the people for that and so forth. It gets really complex. So really what happens instead is the people that are already doing projects are now going to be doing more projects 
and they're probably going to end up half-assing the stuff that had a much higher likelihood of of you know hitting the the revenue outcome now with those new new additional projects on top right yeah. so balancing that out super important right so really trying to so sorry to tell people hey if you're an unachievable plan it's worse than having no plan yeah. uh, but it also means you basically need to create a new plan yeah. Bo- boring <laughs> but the but that is i'm sorry that's that's the essence of that right and and I think sometimes then as a CEO listening would be like, okay, well, I just went through this whole process with the board. Mm. Um, it's it's not that I don't know any of these things, um, but uh, but that that was the budget that we agreed on. And this is probably a bit of a hot take. I think there's no shame in maybe having two plans. Yeah. Um, you can have a budget for the board that you report on. Um and by the way, you will need to reforecast that thing anyway by the end of Q2 because by that time it will be clear also to the board that you're not being yeah. able to execute on this thing. But you can have already now an operational plan that maybe sets in a different trajectory, I understand that, but it's basically kind of helping you to make better decisions as you go. And then in Q2, when rebudgeting the season is around, you basically kind of swap those plans around. And my kind of overall, and this is also some of the uh, Dave, Dave Kellogg's work actually is um, putting putting forward an unambitious plan at the beginning of the year might be sometimes difficult to yeah. do. But I think what people should realize is that they are at that point in a much, much better position with the board to have the conversation, say, hey, I know I also want a triple, but it's just not going to happen. And instead of putting this company on a trajectory that's going to lead to hiring a bunch of people, laying them off again, dealing with all of those issues, having burnt money in the process, we should go for a you know, more dialed down uh, plan. Um, you're, you're in a better position to negotiate that in the beginning of the year than at the end of the year when you come out of having missed three or four quarters in a row and people will just say, like, what a what a what a effing bozo you are, right? <laughs> and and balancing those two things out is it's really important to, to basically not get fired as a CEO, right? Yeah. So really uh, making sure that um, that you uh, actually you know fulfill those expectations uh, of the board uh, and and set them you know correctly from the beginning. Yeah. Hopefully, this is going to be helpful. Well, I think there was a lot of pieces of what what is it what does it make an achievable plan, right? And then I think the key is you will you will have to go to your CEO and try and have her change some of that stuff. Otherwise it's probably gonna be difficult for you. But we covered a bunch of the problems yeah. that you are gonna face if you have an unachievable plan. We talked about the red flags to basically spot. Are you dealing with a you know unachievable plan? And then basically went into the solution mode. Yeah. And this is a proponent you can definitely forward to your CEO, maybe CFO, and start that conversation of building maybe a second plan that you can even get a head start to. Yeah. Wonderful. So the, for everyone, this is not going to be an easy thing to achieve, changing no. plan bottom up in the middle of the year. No, no. But it... If you truly feel that this is necessary, you need to figure out a way to push for it. And I don't think it's going to happen without someone really pushing CEO, CFO to, to make some of those adjustments. Um, so I hope this works out for you this year. It's going to be a challenging year for sure. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you, Tony, and thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.